All right. Okay. Who knows that God is into blessing people? He is, and, uh, and blessing families and, and, and blessing dreams. And so when we go into this message today, Live With Purpose, um, I wanted to share it strategically because we are, we've kind of, in a way, redefining our, our mission statement as a church here, Forever House. And that mission statement is simply those three words, Live With Purpose. And so you're going to be hearing more of that theme and what that means as a church community. Can I get everyone to say, Live With Purpose? And so I thought it would be timely as we start to, to communicate more clearly our vision and our values moving forward as a church to bring a message around this theme of live with purpose because it really is, if you think about who we are as a church, it very much defines our mission, uh, that as a community we're called to live with purpose, but also as individuals we're called to live with purpose. When we bring, see new people to come into the kingdom of God, we want to encourage them and disciple them to live with purpose. And so I wanted to uh, start, first of all, with this message um, by actually talking about the why. Why do we want to live with purpose? What are the benefits? Um, I think it's always important to know why would you or why should you be personally motivated to live with purpose? And I think the first point I wanted to start with is, is the, these valid questions that come up in our life. You know, because we're human beings, we're always asking ourselves on the inside of our heart or our head questions. Where, uh, and sometimes we have to battle doubt, but we're, we're asking questions of ourselves and we're asking questions of our purpose and what am I here for and, you know, what's this season all about and uh, who am I called to partner with and who am I called not to partner with and, and what, why do we do this and why don't we do this? And I think questions is a big part of the, the natural thing about our, our humanity and that's why I think we, we want to lean into God because we don't have all the answers and we don't understand everything. Sometimes we don't even understand how God works, but questions is a big theme to our humanity. And I want to raise a couple of these questions that I think that come up every now and then, even if you've decided to give your heart to Christ and you're already making this journey of Christendom, um, we still have these questions that come up at times. And so the first question is, why am I alive? Why am I alive? And I wanted to start with Ephesians 1.4. It says this, He chose us, He being God, chose us in Christ, Meaning, when it says in Christ, it means in the anointing, in the enabling power of God. He chose us in Christ, even before the foundations of the world. The Amplified Version says that he actually, as in God, he actually picked us out to himself as his own. And so when you, when you have this question about why am I alive, sometimes it's important to, to answer that question. It's important, again, to kind of deal with this theme of, you know, what's my purpose? I, I found for my own life that what's incredibly helpful in trying to either answer the question about what's my purpose or how do I live with purpose, we always have to come back to our identity. Who am I? Uh, who am I? When you can identify who you are, then you can define what you're called to do. Let me say that another way. When you can work out the who, you then understand what it is that you're called to do. Let me say that one more time. When you know what it is around the question of who, then you can understand what you're called to do. Everyone say who. And then everyone say do. I think sometimes we try to work out what 
uh, do I want to do so that that thing that I'm called to do will help to define my who? Sometimes we get it backwards. And I think when we do that, we, we can come into a season of confusion. We can come into a season where we're trying to find things to pull towards us, whether it's achieving this or focusing on this or becoming this, becoming something based on status or based on an, an assignment that we want to uh, get involved in or some type of skill or some type of thing in the marketplace or whatever it is in life, uh, the people that we hang around, sometimes we focus on defining the do in order to define the who, but the kingdom of God and the Bible and God himself says that it actually operates the other way around. Every time you're confused about the do, you've got to go back to the who to get that foundation of who you are, who you're called to be, who you are in Christ, which will redefine or reestablish or reclarify what you're called to do. So the key takeaway there is, is that whenever you're feeling confused, whenever you're not sure, who here has ever felt confused about the season of God that they're in, okay? All right, I think you wouldn't be human if you didn't raise your hand, okay? So we're always at sometimes call uh, feeling a little bit confused. That's normal. And, but when we come back to who are we, who does God say that we are? That helps to bring the clarity, gets us back on track. So why am I alive? Well, God has chosen us before time. He has chosen us, and so that gives us an insight into why we're alive. We are His. Uh, he is our Father. He is our Dad, and so that gives us an insight. Another question, does my life matter? I was just talking to someone just this week who has experienced multiple um, uh, people in their life that have committed suicide, and this is what they're passionate about, the latest stats, particularly with young men. The stats are astounding. In fact, they're alarming around how uh, the inner private world of people's thought life I think particularly young men, because I think stereotypically we're taught as men, we can't talk about our problems or our weaknesses because that's weak and vulnerable. And so we try to battle all in a headspace. Uh, but the alarming statistics in Australia are how suicide, particularly with young men, is, is quite, uh, quite uh, strong and, and relevant. So if we get to this question of does my life matter, a lot of times people are asking this question. So if we go to Proverbs chapter 16, verse 4, it says, Is the Lord made everything to contribute to its own end and to his purpose. The Amplified Version goes on and says, My life matters because it contributes to God's ultimate purpose. So your life matters. Everyone say, My life matters. Your life matters because your life, there's a part of your life that's, uh, well, it's all of your life, but your life is a piece of the puzzle of God's purpose unfolding on the earth. But can I say that we actually need to continue to teach our mind to think like this because these questions will come out. We know the Bible teaches that doubt is very much uh, an example of where the enemy will try to come in. When we use the word enemy, we use the word Satan, we use the word adversary, someone who's trying to come against the plans and purpose of God in our life, and one of the key weapons that he uses is doubt. Doubt does what? It raises questions. It brings up questions that you want answered, and sometimes when we're not in that place of faith, we're not aligned to the Word of God, we may not answer the question correctly, and that starts to make us feel confused, and so it's important that, one, these questions come up at times, but two, we have to be clear on how we answer them because that will protect your faith. It will protect you continuing to walk with purpose. Another question is, well, what is my purpose? Why am I alive? Does my life matter? What is my purpose? 2 Timothy 1 verses 9 to 1, sorry, 2 Timothy 9, 1 says, God has saved us and called us for his purpose. So we know that there is a purpose. It 
obviously doesn't specifically tell you what your purpose is, but we're going to get to that in a minute. I just wanted to start there with dealing with those three questions. Why am I alive? Does my life matter? What is my purpose? There are clear answers in the Word of God, and it's important for us to use the Word of God to protect how we're answering those questions. Who here has ever had those questions come up in their heart or their head before? Okay, good. All right. So that's that first bit that I wanted to start with. The next part of my introduction around why do we want to understand about the importance of living with purpose is there are some key benefits. Living with purpose helps to do these things. First one, it will reduce frustration. Everyone say frustration. So by knowing your purpose, you can reduce meaningless work. Otherwise, you may feel like you're always busy but not accomplishing much. Many of us have so many irons in the fire that we're putting out the fire. We're burning the candle at both ends, but we're not as bright as we think we are. So what are these statements talking about? Sometimes we're so busy because we're actually still searching about, well, what are we called to do? And we're getting so involved in the do, 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 do in order to define the who, but we're not getting uh, the fruit from it. Who here has ever felt like they're, they're, they're just spinning uh, plates on lots and lots of, of kind of, uh, you know, sticks, like, you know, in the, the Greek, Greek-style wedding, Yeah. And you've got lots and lights, lots and lots of plates spinning, right? And then because you're spinning so many things, things, you know, they fall. I want to I highlight this to you. When it comes to redefining your purpose or refreshing your purpose, one of the key benefits is it will directly reduce frustration. Has anyone here been frustrated? Right? It's normal to be frustrated. In fact, I find frustration is a way that God gets our attention. I really do. When you get frustrated, it's like you kind of, you're motivated to get on your hands and knees and go, God, help me here. I'm, I'm crying out to you. But when you, again, allow yourself to go, you know what? I need to hit the refresh button. I'm confused. I'm frustrated. Maybe I just need to take a step back and redefine, God, who am I? Who am I in you? What am I doing? Why am I doing all of this? Is this what you've called me to do? Am I supposed to be doing all of these nine things or should I just be doing four And as I was driving here this morning, I felt like the Lord wanted to minister particularly to some people who've been feeling overwhelmed and feeling confused. And I hear the Lord say this, that if that's where you are right now, that the Lord is calling you into a time to strategically hit the refresh button and actually hang out with Him and redefine who are you and what are you called to do. I hear the Lord saying that a direct benefit that will come from that is you'll not only understand what you're called to do, but you'll also understand what you're called to stop doing. Hear the Lord saying there are some people here and you're involved in so many things. You're doing so many things to try to define who you are and you're getting tired. And I hear the Lord saying that he hasn't necessarily called you to do all those things. I tell a story that illustrates this, that there's this man and uh, he has a trailer. And uh, God asks him to take this trailer up to the top of the mountain and to take one of the big boulders and to put it in the trailer and to take it up. And so the man starts on his journey, and all he's asked by God is to get the trailer with one big boulder up to the top of the hill. So as he starts his journey, he, uh, you know, a little way up the hill, he meets his friend, and his friend says, oh, what are you doing? And he goes, well, look, God's told me to take the trailer in this big rock up the trailer. He goes, wow, that's a great trailer. And well, you go, hey, look, I've got, I've got some rocks here. Can we fit those in there? Uh, that'd be great. If you could really help me out, if we could just add these two extra rocks in there, if you could help me to get those rocks at the top of the hill, that'd be great. So the guy complies and says, yeah, why not? And then so a little bit further goes on and the same things happen. He meets 
meets another friend, and the friend goes, what's he going? He goes, well, God, take me to take this trail up with the rock, and then there's this rock, but then, you know, Jim asked me to put these two rocks on, so I'm, I'm, I'm going up there. He goes, oh, great. Well, hey, look, I've got uh, these smaller rocks. Can we, can we whack those on the trail as well? That'd be great if you could help me out, if we can get those rocks up to the top of the hill. The guy goes, yeah, yeah, sure. No worries. And so the next uh, pit stop, and, and he runs into another friend. <laughs> Guess what? This friend has a whole lot of bags, but they're little pebbles, but there's like six or seven bags. And, and he goes, what are you doing? He goes, well, God told me to take the trail up with the, the rock of the trailer, but then I met Jim, and then I met Harry, and I've thrown their stuff on as well, and, and he goes, oh, that's great. Hey, look, you've still got some room in, in the trailer there. Hey, how about you grab these six or seven bags of my pebbles, and can we whack them, and then help me to get it up to the top of the hill? The guy goes, yeah, sure, no worries. And so he's got one rock, then he's got other rocks, then he's got smaller rocks, then he's got this bag of pebbles, and so he continues to go up to the top of the hill, and he gets to this point where the hill gradient starts to get really steep, and he's pushing, and he's pushing, he's getting hot, <laughs> and then he puts the brakes on the trailer, because it's just getting too hard, and he starts to go, God, this is getting too hard, I can't do what you've asked me to do, this is frustrating, and God says, time out, time out. He says, let's, let's just take a little bit of a, a recalibration here and let's just sort out what's going on. And the guy goes, okay, God. And God goes, there's one massive problem here. The guy goes, what? He goes, well, you've got all this other stuff in the trailer that I never asked you to carry. I knew your capacity. I knew your capability. And I asked you to do what I asked you to do. And you've added all this other stuff to it. You know, sometimes when you look at the person when they have someone that's asked them to do something, you know, sometimes, you know, when we ask the Lord before we take on something, then will God will let us know? Is that something that the Lord would want us to take on? But who knows, sometimes we take on stuff before we actually ask the Lord, right? And it can come sometimes from our natural insecurities as a human being called a need for approval, so again, we're trying to define our who by what we do. And sometimes we take on things uh, so, which will help us to kind of have all these extra things that we're called to do. So people might see us differently or they might think that we're, we're this or we're that. And that helps to define, you know, who we're called to be. And I want to just challenge you this morning. I think this is a great, powerful season just to, just to take a step back and say, God, with everything that I'm doing right now, are there some things that I've taken on that really is weighing me down? It's actually stopping me from being able to get momentum on the God assignment because I've actually taken on other things that, God, you never asked me to take on. Everyone just close your eyes. Holy Spirit, fill this place. Lord, I thank you, God, that we are all called to hear your voice. Lord, sometimes it's just in a small prompting in our heart. Sometimes it's through vision. Sometimes, Lord, it's through just someone speaking to us. But Lord, I thank you for just this moment during the word where we can just take a time out with you. Holy Ghost, just let us know. Is it important for us after this service at Forever House today just to speak to you about more precisely what we need to maybe adjust in what we're doing? Lord, just let us know. Or if we're on, if we're on track, then give us that peace right now in our heart. But Lord, as we're just closing our eyes, Lord, if we know we need to have a more detailed conversation with you to maybe identify some rocks in our trailer that need to come out before we continue to push, Father, let us know right now in Jesus' name. Amen. We'd be blessed as you hear the Lord's voice in your heart.
So it will reduce frustration. It will also increase motivation. So when you clarify your purpose based on the season that you're in, it will help to motivate you. One thing that will demotivate you is if you're frustrated because you're not really clear. I've recently just gone through this. I've actually had to take a step back myself and say, God, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Because I've, I've been feeling demotivated in a particular area of my life. And I took a step back and I said, God, I need to know the kingdom purpose behind why I'm doing this. You need to remind me or, or redefine something, God, because I'm feeling demotivated. I'm feeling the fuel in my engine on the inside just depleting because I'm not exactly sure why. And as soon as I did that and spent some time and, and I wrote some things down and I prayed those things through can I tell you, there's a fresh step, you know, jump in my step. It's like, yes, I've got clarity around why I'm called to do that particular thing. And so it's easy now to get out of bed, right? Who knows, it's hard to get out of bed if you don't have a real clear reason as to why you're getting out of bed, right? Particularly if you stayed up the night before too late watching TV because you're bored because you've got no real clarity about what you're called to do. And then it's harder to get out of bed in the morning because there's nothing really to focus on. So when you know what God wants you to do, you get excited, you get enthusiastic, you're motivated. That's another benefit. The third benefit is it will allow you to concentrate. When you have clear purpose, clear focus, it allows you to concentrate. Purpose allows you to focus. It keeps you on track. It allows you to ignore the things that can easily distract you and take your attention away from the things that really matter. You don't have time, church. You don't have time to do everything. Everything is not even worth doing. I was talking to someone the other day who's in business and um, I said, oh, it'd be great if I could connect with you on LinkedIn. This person said, I'm going to be really upfront with you. Is that okay? I said, yeah. They said, look, I'd love to connect with you on LinkedIn. But the reality is I've had to take a step back from social media because I just don't have time to update myself with all that. So I could connect with you on LinkedIn, but it's a waste of time because I don't have time to look at LinkedIn and update myself. Now, I do training with, with different businesses on why LinkedIn is important, right? <laughs> but this person was just having a reality check for me and their type of business and where they're at. They were just saying, I don't have time because if I spent time doing that, I'd be dropping the ball on things that I really need to focus on doing. And I, you know, I, took, I, I, I took away from that conversation more respect for that person because it showed me that that person has had a refresh. Let's hit the refresh button on where am I at, what's really important, what are my priorities. Just a little practical help there around that sometimes we've got to understand that just because there's 70,000 new apps on different social media, unless you get the app that helps you to connect with all the others, and I I know there's not 70,000, it was a slight exaggeration, so forgive me, it just helps to make the point, right? When you know that there's so much advancement involved in all these different things that are supposed to help you, but to keep up with them all, it actually sucks your time dry of focusing on the things. It's about just taking a good reality check around what is worth doing. Purpose not only helps you know what to do, but clear purpose also helps you to know what not to do. Sometimes I, I, I've seen this, that one of the biggest keys to success in people and their lives is that they've also clearly defined what they're not going to do. I say this to a lot of uh, young people, uh, Christian young people, before they go to schoolies. I say, don't just work out what you're going to do at schoolies. 
also predefine what you're not going to do at schoolies. Can I tell you that that principle will help you in any area of your life, whether it's just basic time management, your assignment, your marketplace, your family, or it is just making sure that you stay within the boundaries of God's word, amen, and don't make silly mistakes, amen, right? No, don't just work out what you're going to do. Also define clearly what you're not going to do. I had my former pastor who shared that he um, had a conversation with uh, the pastor that he was under in, in the movement that, that um, our old church was part of, which was Christian City Church, now called C3. And uh, he shares the story how he was sitting in the groom room of Phil Pringle. Phil Pringle, who heads up uh, C3. And, and uh, my former pastor said that uh, as he was having coffee with Phil Pringle, Phil Pringle just nails him with one question. So tell me. So tell me. Have you specifically ever thought about the consequences that would happen in your life if you were to commit adultery against your wife? I mean, that question came out of nowhere. And the, the pastor said, yes, I have. And he goes, good. He goes, that's a question that I always ask Christian leaders. He says, because I find leaders are far more successful if they've not only worked out what they're called to do, but if they've also clearly thought about what they're not called to do and the consequences if they kind of get entangled on things that they're not called to do or decisions that they're not called to make. Can I say that this is a really important principle, particularly if you're in a season right now and you know that there's a temptation for you to try and find all these things that you want to get involved in to try to define your identity. If you're in that season right now when you're trying to grapple at all these things to help to define who you are, uh, what will really help you is sit down with the Lord and work out not only who you are, but then based on that, what are you called to do and put your hand out? And what are you also called not to focus on? Because this can become a major distraction. I wanted to um, just share this illustration. One of uh, golf's immortal moments, this is a historical moment in golf. I'm not a massive fan of, of golf, but I'm sharing it with you because I love the analogy. One of golf's immortal moments came when a Scotsman demonstrated the new game to President Grant, who's like, you know, a much older former president of the United States. And carefully placing the ball on the tee, he took a mighty swing and the club hit the turf and scattered dirt all over the president's beard while the ball waited on the tee. The ball did not move at all. And again, the Scotsman swung and again he missed. And this happened multiple times to the point where the president waited patiently through six tries and then quietly stated this. There seems to be a fair amount of exercise in this game, but I fail to see the purpose of the ball. When you think about that analogy, I want you to think about how does it appropriate to you right now? Many of us are swinging wildly away at life, but we have missed the whole purpose for which God intended. And that's why I want to encourage you, give you the benefits around, you know, why do we want to just take a step back in this season? And my encouragement to you would be find a day or a night this week where you can spend at least half an hour with the Lord Get into the Word, get into His presence, maybe with a pen and a notepad, and take a step back from all of the business and everything that you're doing right now, and have a, fr a fresh moment with the Lord to say, God, who am I? Who am I in you? And Lord, please help me to redefine what am I called to do in this season? And is there anything that I'm doing that I should probably not be doing? And there is any anything that I should be doing that I'm not doing? Help me to refresh my purpose. Who believes that that may ben be beneficial to you? Amen. So I wanted to share a couple of other principles around, you know, 
we've talked about why. Why is it important to live with purpose? And it helps to deal with frustration, helps you to have momentum. But let's get into some scripture now. What is my purpose, a reason for living? There's actually a couple of uh, key things. If, you, if you're into bullet points a list, there's actually um, kind of five main purposes that I think are really clear, particularly in the New Testament. So I'll get you to just to write these down for me, and then we'll go into some scripture. The first one around my reason for living and why I'm a Christian and, uh, you know, how to live with purpose is that you and I were planned and purposed for God's pleasure. So God absolutely delights in you. We need to understand that and have that on our, our clarity page around living with purpose. God absolutely adores you and you were designed and purpose for his pleasure. What does this tell us? That you were purposed to spend time with God because God delights in you. You think about a father and a child relationship. If the father delights in the child, the father wants to spend time with the child. The child wants to spend time with the father. But the child wants to spend time with the father only when the child gets a revelation of how much the father or the parent adores them. If the father or the parent is abusive and it's a, it's a really ugly atmosphere, then the child is wanting to be distant from the parent. We've got to get that revelation in us that the Lord absolutely delights in us. Because you and I are purposed to spend time with God. It helps us to not only uh, fashion our own identity, but it's actually where we should be spending some of our time on earth with the Lord himself. We were planned for God's pleasure. Second thing is you and I were formed for God's family. You and I are purposed to be a part of God's family on earth and then to be a part of God's family when we leave earth. The third one, you were created to become like Christ. You and I are being perfected. We're not perfect, but we're in this process called being perfected. He's perfecting his bride. So you and I, part of us living with purpose is to know that you and I, as we live, are being perfected by God. What helps with that is that when you hit a obstacle, when you hit a frustration, when you hit a difficulty, uh, don't necessarily see that as something that's horrible. You know, The Lord actually encourages us in the word that when you face frustration, that actually take delight sometimes in these difficulties because it's perfecting you. It's, it's forming patience in you. It's enabling you to, to, to birth within you the characters of the Holy Spirit. Number uh, four, we were shaped for serving God. So when you get an understanding about live, living with purpose, there is something about what you're called to do based on who you are, that if you, part of who you are is that you're called to serve, that you've been give, given gifts and talents, and there's a certain a wiring of your personality, and there's certain parts of your, uh, who you are, that gives you big cues and clues about what you're called to do. And number five, you were made for a mission. You were made for a mission. Do I necessarily know what that detailed mission is for all of you individually? Well, I could have a go. <laughs> We're made for a corporate mission. We're all called to, to partake and be involved and help to build the house of God on the earth. We know that. But individually, right, like an umbilical call, call, uh, cord to your, mother's, to your mother, right, if, if you can see the house of God, there's a connection there where you're to be fed and you're to be um, empowered and, and you're to be uh, you know, inspired and you're to be cheered on. 
because it says that the, you know, the calling of the, the fivefold ministry is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So we know that. But also, you've got to have your own personal assignment and mission as well. And that will change throughout different seasons. But can I say this to you? Oh, how it will empower you when, again, you position yourself in a fresh way to get that defined and defined and redefined and redefined. Never, ever think that you're going to have a moment where you just know exactly what your assignment is. You're going to know part of it. Even the word says, you know, the word says that we prophesy in part. While we're on earth, we're not going to necessarily know exactly 100%. That's why we've got to live by faith, amen? But there's going to be some seasons when you feel like you understand 60% of your purpose in that season and other seasons when it's only 20%. But can I tell you, whatever percentage it is, always understand you're going to be called sometimes to go into the, thr- to the, to the throne room with God, get on your hands and knees and get some fresh clarity. Because one of the keys of the kingdom is revelation. When you get fresh revelation and you get that f- revelation refreshed and refreshed and refreshed, then it helps you to focus and it helps you to move forward. So let's uh, have a look here at Ephesians now, chapter 1, verse, uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 to 6. My apologies, I said that incorrectly. I thought I did. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 6. Verses 3 to 6. Now, what I want to do is I want to take some key principles from this particular verse. So if there's any part of Scripture that you're writing down, I want you to write down this particular part of Scripture. Because we're going to look at four principles around living with purpose. The first one, I'll I'll give you the Scripture again. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 6. Everyone say Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 6. What I find incredibly important about this part of Scripture is it will help you to go into a one-on-one session with God by yourself and help to define your purpose. Now, understand when I say define your purpose, I think it's important to understand you want to define your purpose based on the season that you're in right now because your purpose can change over time. But let's read this particular part of Scripture. It says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So we're going to look at that first part in a second, but let's read the whole scripture. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind of intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. Now, what we're going to do right now, like a good piece of steak, is we're going to break that down into four bite-sized pieces so we can chew on it. Okay, who's ready? Who's ready? One more time. Who's ready? Okay, all right. So let's take this first part, okay? Um, Actually, before we take this first part, let's quickly look at it as a whole. What it's starting with is it's starting with actually talking about blessing to God. So when Paul starts his scripture, he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed. And then straight after that, who has blessed us? So right there, it actually talks about the who before the do. Are you catching that? Right? Who are we talking about? We're talking about that God himself is blessed. His own identity. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that's his identity, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly 
places in Christ. What I love about this scripture is right in that first part, it talks about the dynamic of even God himself. It's about God being so confident in his identity, he's blessed that from that he then knows what he's called to do. Because he's the source of all life. Because he is the blessing of all blessing. He's the eternal God. He is the light. Right? He is the answer. He's the truth. Part of his purpose in being God is to bless his people. Let's build on that, though. Let's now break this into different pieces because let's look at the word bless. The word bless, translated from the Greek term eulogilus. I know I didn't pronounce that correctly, but that's okay because you've forgiven me in advance. It is a compound word made up from joining two words together. So the EU means the word good. Everyone say good. And the ligo is the verb to speak. So it actually means to speak good towards someone. To speak good towards someone. So what we know is that God's identity is that he is designed himself to speak good towards you. He's called to bless you. But you're also blessed. And so I want to talk about this because in my own life, one of the biggest keys to walking out my purpose and starting to get clarity around that is I had to come to grips with the fact that God has already or had back then already blessed me. Can I tell you, this is just such a little tiny difference, but it makes a big difference. And that is this. When you're trying so hard to work out what do I need to do so that I can become someone who God will bless, or if I'm trying to change who I am, so therefore I'm going to tick enough boxes so God will bless me, Can I say right there, you're trapped in false doctrine. So many people in in Christianity, I believe, are still shackled in this lie. They believe that there's something that they need to do to come to this place in order for God to bless them. The irony of that is that because of that, Their faith is actually, even though if they don't really realize it, it's actually their faith is more based on works, right, in order to be blessed. And then that creates a cycle where they never feel quite good enough and then they give up and then the cycle gets frustrating in different seasons of life and it's kind of like this ad hoc mess of their Christian walk. What was really critical, and I've shared this before, is I had a defining moment in the first couple of years as a Christian. I walked into my pastor's office and I said, you really need to help me out with something. And he said, what? And I said, I don't believe that God would want to bless me. I don't believe that God's going to bless me. And this is where he had to stop me. He said, but Brad, this is what you don't understand. The word of God says that God has already blessed you, that you are blessed of the most high God. It's not a destination to get to. It's an identity to come to terms with. See, when you get it in your heart and in your head and you get in line with the truth that you are already blessed, that God already speaks well of you, regardless of your sin, because you've given your heart to Christ, because you've been paid with a price, you are blessed. You're not perfect. You're being perfected, but you are blessed. You are blessed. You are blessed. You are blessed. Everyone say, I am blessed. 
And so the first key on how we live with purpose and therefore how we live for him is we live with purpose and we live for him because he has already blessed us completely. Let's have a look at Ephesians 1.3. So we'll break it down. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So watch this. This is not a prayer from Paul. Paul is not asking for the blessing from God. And it's not a prophetic word. He's not saying that there is a coming day when we will be blessed. Instead, he speaks of a present reality. Who has, everyone say has. Not who will, who might, God can you, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. You have been blessed. You are blessed. It is an accomplished fact. And not only have you been blessed, but you have been blessed abundantly. You are blessed. You have been blessed. The blessing of God is already on you and is already within you. That's what the Word of God says. Can I tell you when the word says that as a man thinks, so he is. The mind of Christ is about understanding that you are blessed. You are blessed. You are blessed. You don't have to start to work out what you need to do to become blessed. You don't have to work out what you have to work out to have the Lord bless you. You are blessed. Will you make mistakes? Can you fall over? Can you trip over? Can you make some bad decisions? Yes, but the starting point of your salvation is when you accept Jesus Christ into your life and you give your your heart to the Lord and you come into Christ's family, you're part of the born-again church of Jesus Christ you are blessed. That is who you are. You are blessed. Can I tell you, the Lord said to me coming here that there are some people here who are still grappling and holding on to the curse. That is, I'm not blessed. There are some people here who, you, for whatever reason, as part of your life, you still feel like you're cursed. Now, there may be some evidence around your life where there's still some dysfunction or things flying around your life and circumstances that are trying to preach to you, saying that you're cursed. But the Word of God says that you are blessed. That's your starting point. You've got to have that, and you've got to protect it. Can I tell you that after I got out from that, that meeting from the pastor, it was like there was a, a whole new world. Your perception. So every time you'd go and, 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 and hang out with God, it was like, because I knew I'm blessed, God speaks a blessing over me. God speaks favorably towards me. I'm blessed. He's already spoken well of me because I've been paid. I've been bought with the, the, the precious uh, price of, of the blood of Jesus Christ. When I come into the word of God, when I come into the presence of God, I am blessed and he thinks well of me. So that means that when I come to God, I talk to him openly about sharing my dreams. I don't come like a little dog that's been in the street that's been bashed and whipped to the point where I'm just scarred and I'm like, you come with a sense of identity to your father. And because of your positioning towards your father, you're able then to receive more of the revelation of who he wants to continue to define who you are and therefore what you're called to do. But don't underestimate that the thing that I just talked about then is probably the number one thing that the enemy is always working on to steal, kill, and destroy. So the anointing means in Christ. The anointing and and being in Christ. You know, even Jesus, the enemy came to steal the revelation that he was the blessed son of God. 
So if you're the son of God, blah, blah, blah. If you're the son of God, blah, blah, blah. If you're the son of God, blah, blah, blah. He wants to attack your purpose by attacking your identity. And there's this, there's this, just this shift. It's like just something that has to click in. And that is, you're not walking with Jesus to be blessed. You're not living this walk with God to become blessed. You're not doing certain things so that God will bless you. You are blessed. You are blessed. Is anyone here getting this? I occasionally meet Christians who are seeking some sort of second blessing. What they do not realize is to what extent they've already been blessed. There's a story where there was a woman who lived... Uh, in a dilapidated shack. And this woman lived like a pauper, collecting cans and sustaining herself on handouts. And when she died, people went into her house, and to their amazement, they found it filled from floor to ceiling with bundles of newspapers. And within each page was a crisp $20 bill. She was wealthy. But she was not living in accordance with her wealth. You are blessed. But are you living in accordance with your identity that you're already blessed? Come on now. Think about it. Are you living in accordance with the fact that the word says that your identity is blessed, that you are blessed? So if I said to Thomas and Sandy... Thomas and Sandy, I've already organized for you guys this afternoon. And this is an analogy, by the way, so you don't get too excited. <laughs> I've already organized for you guys to get in a taxi and to go to the International Brisbane Airport. Get on a plane and to go to Paris. It's all paid for, all expenses, everything. You just got to go. You just got to flow. And what if they sat here and went, oh, that's great. Thank you. And yet when they left the service, they got in their car and they drove home. What would you, what word would you use to describe that decision? Hmm. Interesting words, right? The interesting thing is, is that I think sometimes in different timings or seasons of our life, we can all fall into that trap. Where we don't actually come into the revelation that you and I are already blessed. We're waiting for it to come after we do something. But you're already blessed. And so when you walk from that identity, things start to happen because you're living with purpose out of the identity that you're blessed. Imagine if, who am I going to? Olivia. Who loves Olivia? Imagine if there was this random person from high society of Austria that just knocked on the door. We welcome him. He said, I'm sorry for interrupting your service, but I've got a very special announcement to make. 
Oh, what is it? Is, is, is Olivia here? And Olivia, yes, I'm here. And he'd be Austrian, so he'd have kind of like an Austrian accent. And he'd say, okay, better get this right. <laughs> yeah, das ist gut. Olivia, I'm from Austria. <laughs> and I have a special announcement for you. Now it's, uh, my accents go weird. <laughs> Been too long ago since acting school. Let's just go with this. Here's someone from not Australia, okay? So he says, Olivia, <laughs> I have an announcement. The announcement is this. You actually are a descendant of the royal family of Austria. And you have an inheritance. There is currently... Seven million dollars in a bank account waiting for you, and there's also a castle and a kingdom, and you are a princess of the kingdom of Austria. And so, therefore, not only do you have an inheritance, but with that identity comes a mantle where you're, if we've got to put a crown on your head, and we've got to put you into a gown, and we've got to adjust your clothing because that's that's the, the that's who you are. And with that uh, that with that identity, there comes training about what that means and who you are, and also with that, that, that there's key things that we've got to get you to do, key assignments and key missions within the kingdom. So, can you get on a plane now and come? Got to get going. You do it, right? But watch this. Watch this. As soon as, if that was real, right, as soon as Olivia gets the revelation that she's actually a princess, she gets that into her her identity. Her whole thinking about herself and what she's called to do or what she could do starts to change immediately before she even thinks about the actual specific things that she's called to do. Just the whole way she thinks about herself will then start to position her to start to dream big, think big, or bigger. I want everyone just to close your eyes. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the atmosphere of faith in this place. Lord, I thank you, God, that, Lord, your Holy Spirit is here, that anointing of God, that you can do great things. Lord, we just pray for miracles in this place right now. Father, I pray, Lord, for shackles and chains from people's thinking and their identity, Lord, to shift. Father, we are called and we are blessed, Father. We thank you, Lord, that we're not trying to, to work towards that, Lord, that we are already blessed. Lord, even though we're not perfect, we're called and we're being perfected right now. So, Father, we break off anything right now that's been hindering people trying to work towards this place when then from there they can be blessed. Thank you, Lord. Again, is anyone here getting this today? I mean, I, I can't overstate it enough. If I could literally reach on, on the inside of your heart and, 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 and change this, I would. Uh, I, I can bring the word, the Holy Spirit can move, but you, you've got to grab a hold of this. It, it, can I just say, when Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you, this is a key thing. See, see. We, we can't look at anything that actually materializes what I'm just talking about. I'm talking about revelation from heaven that you've got to get. Yes, you are Christian. Yes, you're a born-again believer. Yes, you're saved. But do you know that you are blessed? You are blessed of the Most High God. Everyone say, I'm blessed. So like that woman, we do the same things. Or we do the same thing when we do not live in accordance with the blessings which we, with which we have been blessed. 
We live like spiritual paupers when we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing and don't actually align to that truth. We don't walk out of that identity. We're trying to walk towards something when we're actually already that thing and we need to walk out of that identity towards what we're called to do. Can I say this? Even if you're someone who's broken through in this a little bit, again, don't underestimate how sometimes when you least expect it, this part of who you are will come be attacked. In fact, can I say that usually when you're in a season of confusion or frustration, usually a sign of that is that your identity is being attacked. And that's why it's good to, to you know, pull, pull back a little bit and spend some time with God and hit the refresh button. This is how we live with purpose. And it comes from unbelief. Because when something's out of sight or out of mind, sometimes it's hard to really put our faith in it. And the problem with the realm of blessing is that it is not here on earth where we can see it. It comes from heaven. It's revelation. So that key point there from Scripture is we live with purpose because he blessed us completely. We're already blessed. When you know that you're blessed of the most high God, when you know you're a prince, when you know you're a princess of the kingdom of God, come on now. When you know that you're, you are already someone who has an inheritance in Christ, you will live with purpose. Come on now. If Olivia just found out she was a princess of Austria, she'd have now a sense of purpose that, right, I, I have to lead, I have to be an ambassador of this kingdom and I have this and I've, I've got to, you know, but it would come from that identity. Can I tell you that I think a strong reason why a lot of Christians are crippled in walking their life, and usually it's without purpose or not strong purpose, is because they haven't come to terms with who they are in Christ. And I'd planned to move on from this point like 15 minutes ago, but the Holy Spirit just keeps me trying to hammer this thing in. So I'm just now going to move on. The, the next one from this part of Ephesians, now you're going to look at Ephesians 1.4, is that we live with purpose because he chose us to be holy and blameless. Not holy because we do everything to be holy, but we're going to look at what the word holy means. Blameless means that because Christ has swapped your sins with his righteousness, you are blameless. Not because of anything that you do, but you are blameless. Everyone say that I am blameless. Think about this. If you understand that your identity is pure white before God because of Jesus Christ, who knows that you can walk from that identity free of shame, free of guilt, and it actually will affect how you, how you interact with the world because you're going to be on point. You're going to be on purpose because you know you're blameless. Oh, come on now. You're blameless. I've seen many people who walk away from Jesus because they stuffed up and they misunderstood this principle. Repentance is an everyday thing. How many people have walked away from Christianity and from Jesus and from the church because they thought they stuffed up and there was no point of return because they were trying so hard to to do something or to live a certain life so therefore God could say, well, yeah, you're good enough now so you're kind of blameless. So we'll, we'll keep you. But let's have a look at this, that 
in Ephesians 1.4, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Just as he, God, chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. God chose, God designed that you and I would be holy, which actually, when you look at the Greek, it talks about being designed for a purpose. When you're set apart, you're holy. You know, in the old temples of the Old Testament, there were certain utensils that were holy. They were holy utensils because they have a specific design purpose. They had a particular thing that they were performed to do. They were designed for a certain reason, and therefore they were set apart. And therefore, because they were set apart for a certain reason based on the design, they were called holy. They were consecrated. They were set apart because there was something about them, what they were designed to do, that was specific. So we're going to look at this. Because Jesus has eternal life, we have eternal life. Because he is righteous, we have been declared to be righteous. Because he is the king who reigns over all, we have been established as co-heirs with him. Because he is seated at the right hand of God, we have a position in the heavenlies. Because he is the holy one of God, we are also said to be holy. Because he is without sin, we are also blameless. The Greek words for holy and sanctified and saint are all taken from the same root word. And the word is hagios. Or some other people say hagios. Now, hagios defines holiness this as this. Holiness is described as one who has been set apart for a special purpose. That which is holy is separate and distinct and different and special. God has set you apart. You are holy, not because you're perfect. You are holy because of what Christ has paid the price for, but you are set apart. You are the ecclesia. You're called out. You're set apart. You are holy. You have a specific purpose. You uh, have a particular wiring of your personality. You have certain gifts and callings. There is a particular part of the puzzle of the church and the house of God that God has fashioned you. You are holy because you're set apart. There's a specific purpose based on your design, based on who you are. Because of that, when you're in Christ, when you're anointing, you don't have to be perfect. You're being perfected, but because of the blood of Christ, you are holy. You're set apart. You have a specific purpose. I hope some of you are getting this. So to live with purpose, when it says, just as he chose you and I in him, in Christ, meaning we don't have to tick all the boxes and be perfect, but in Christ, pay with a price. He chose you and I to be in Christ. Come on now. Before the world started, before the foundations of the world, He chose you and I in Christ to be holy and blameless before Him. He chose, He decided that Matt, before the world started, He chose and decided that you, in your identity in Christ, will therefore be before him, you would be holy, you would be set apart, there'd be a special purpose in relation to his kingdom and his calling, and also that you would be blameless. Before the world started, God chose Matt and all of us in Christ, in Christ, to be set apart and blameless. You're set apart and you're blameless, Gav. You are set apart. You know those special tools that you want to use every now and then because they're... Could do a specific thing. Right? And you just make sure no, uh, uh, don't touch that tool. 
I'm only going to use that term. You've been set apart. Who thinks the understanding that when you actually get the identity of God in your, in your mind and your heart right, then everything else from there is going to flow? Okay. So when we live with purpose, we're going to live from our identity. Not to our identity. Blameless, without blame. God did something special when he saved us. There was a shifting of blame. Our sin and our blame were, were, was placed upon Jesus when he hung upon the cross. But that's not all. In the same way that he was credited with our sin and our blame, we were credited with his perfect righteousness. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him, says 2 Corinthians 5.21. This is truth. And the word says that the truth shall set you free. It'll set you free. When you believe in your identity in Christ, it will set you free. When you align to your identity in Christ, you will live with purpose. Number three from the same scripture uh, in Ephesians. Now we're going to look at one verse five. We live with purpose because he destined us to be sons and daughters. So it says, in love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind of intention of his will. So what what does that mean? So the manner by which we came to be sons of God is said to be through adoption. You and I know about adoption. What's adoption? Adoption is, it's the legal procedure of taking a child that has been orphaned or otherwise abandoned and establishing him as a legal offspring. And they had adoption in the ancient world in in much the same manner that we have adoption today. So the Greek word translated adoption literally means this. Son placing. The placing of a son. Placing. When you place something, think about it. Before you reach for it to grab a hold of it, you already know what it's purpose to do, what it's called to do, where it's going to go. Think about this. You don't usually reach for something. Right? I'm just thinking about, because I love food, so I'm thinking about dinner. I'm not going to reach for the salt before I've already determined what I'm going to use the salt for. Right? I don't go, I'm going to reach for the salt. Mm, now, do I want salt? Am I going to use the salt? What am I going to salt? Now, some of you might, if you just really like salt, so it's become an instinct for you. But for me, I look at the meal, I smell it, I start to salivate, and then I go, hmm, I'm probably going to, I might... Mm, potatoes probably need a little bit more season and the, yeah, the steak. So then, so I've predetermined what I'm going to use it for. And then I adopt it. I reach for it and I place it. <laughs> right? You and I, God has reached out to adopt you. God has reached out. I mean, out fine worship leader this morning, Daniel, was talking about that God pursues us. God, before he made the world, planned to reach out into your darkness and to pull you into his light. He pre-planned it. So when you get that afresh in your heart, it's like, huh. 
I'm not just clocking. <laughs> I'm Superman. That's the supernatural miracle of having your identity cemented in Christ. Now, your circumstances might still look, look a little bit like Clark Kent. But that didn't face Superman because Superman first knew who he was. So we live with purpose because he's destined us to be sons. We have been adopted into the family of God. He is our father. We're part of the family. We live with purpose knowing that. The last one. It's going to ask Shanada to come. Thank you, Shanada. Is we live with purpose because he bestowed us with his grace. So Ephesians 1, 6, to pray to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. The word grace was actually quite an obscure word in Greek culture. It was obscure, and the Greeks didn't talk a lot about grace. But the word is specific. When they did, they used the term to speak of a favor that one does for a friend. A favor which was unmerited and specifically undeserved. A kindness for which there was no repayment. It was a gift. A special, precious gift. The great thing about Understanding that you've been, not that you are, but you have been bestowed with an undeserved gift that never has to be repaid. Never. And there's going to be times in your life where things will happen and some things that you wanted to happen don't happen there's going to be some times in your life where the revelation of the grace of God is going to try to be stolen away from you see the gift will never be taken away from you but the revelation of the gift is what gets attacked. The grace of our God is never going to be taken away from you. But your revelation of it might weaken, might be hindered. And the irony of that is this, that when we start to lose the revelation of the grace of God already bestowed upon us, is when we start to question Are we good enough for God? Are we good enough to keep walking with purpose? 
And this is the thing that the enemy tries to do. He tries to steal the revelation of the grace, the revelation of it. So then you'll start to question your identity and start to go into performance mode. It's a free gift. Unmerited, undeserved, no repayment required. Just as we come to a close of this message, I want to come to just a place where we can all make a fresh decision this morning. And that fresh decision is titled with two words with a question mark. And that's what's next? What next? What next for you? 2016, getting close to 2017. This is what I want to encourage your what next to look like. This is 2017. This is 2016. Now, when I step back, I'm not suggesting you go back into the past. But I'm suggesting, I think, what's next? This is important for everyone just to take a step back and just think, hey, where am I at? Where am I going? And more importantly, where is God in all of this for me? I want to finish by sharing this. You know, in Philippians 3, verses 12 to 14, it's one of my favorite parts of Scripture. It says, Not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. That I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brothers, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I hear Holy Spirit saying in this, forget the past. Forget it. Let it go. Just forget it. And for some of you, the past isn't necessarily bad. It's good, and that's why you love. Think about it. You want to still have your party back in 86. It was so good. 80s music, man. The glory days when I only had one chin. And I had that jawline. Your past is good, you can't depend on it. If your past is bad, you can't let it keep you from doing the Lord's purpose. Pleasure, you know, look at this last bit of scripture. Press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This scripture is great because it says, where you are now, stop looking behind, move forward. But also know because you're going to attain a prize that's linked to eternity. 
I love this scripture because it links the reason why your eternity has to be connected to your now. And it's saying that sometimes the most powerful, freshest way you can link eternity to your now is to cut off the past. Let me share just a couple of thoughts as we finish. Pleasure won't last. Ecclesiastes Solomon talked about, as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless. It was like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anyway. Make sure that pleasure doesn't become something that dominates your purpose. Pleasure's okay, but make sure you're principle-led and you're purpose-led rather than being just all about pleasure. Second, possessions won't last. 1 Timothy 6, 7, Paul says, After all, we didn't bring anything with us when we came into the world and we certainly cannot carry anything with us when we die. It's okay to have nice things. Just don't put the focus of nice things before your purpose. And the last one is this, prestige won't last. Matthew 19, 30, Jesus says, but many who seem important now will be the least important then. And those who are considered least here will be the greatest then. I just want to share this with you and then I'm going to close. The question I want you to go away with is what's next? We talked about that. Look at your now, take a step back and reflect on my now and where am I going and where does God sit in this? I'm going to try and share this without crying. Here we go. So yesterday, um, we went and visited my dad's wife, his new wife, who we only married in February this year. And, and as we're rolling up to where we come to uh, Dad's apartment, his wife was there to let us in. where dad always used to stand and as we drive in little Zara says mommy daddy where's granddad and it was a sad moment but it was powerful because it just gets you into that place of realigning your life and that life's just too short and the wonderful thing is when you are born again into the mightiest kingdom not only do you have the strength to get through those things but it just highlights that life's too short 
not to, with wisdom, just take moments out to take a step back and spend quality time with your God so he can just help you in your own humanity just to get realigned into what's most important. And I want to share that with you. As much as if you know me closely, you know I don't like to cry in public. But I wanted to share that with you because I feel that it can bless some people here today to be encouraged that you will be richly rewarded when you just take those moments with the Lord so He can reach in and it can help you just to realign because there'll be such a peace that comes with that. And there'll be a a stopping of the chase and a realigning of, well, who are you? And when you know who you are in Christ, there's such a beautiful peace that comes, no matter what you're going through. Who believes that? Awesome. So my charge to you is just do a what's next with the Lord this week as your takeaway. Amen. Awesome. Let's again, let's give God a clap offering here.